Hello. Lauren, how you doing? Hi, Dr. Alexander. I'm great. How are you? Welcome to episode 20 of the Chalk Dust Podcast, where teachers talk about their experiences in the classroom. Because once the dust settles, every teacher has a story to tell. This is Kirby Alexander, your host. And today I'm talking with Lauren Waldman, a high school social studies teacher in Dallas, Texas. I first met Lauren as a high school student when she was on a campus visit to TCU. The next fall, she enrolled in my introductory education class, and I was so glad to see she chose TCU as her academic home. I taught Lauren in a couple more classes at TCU, and she spent a year working for me as a graduate teaching assistant. I can't wait to catch up with Lauren and find out what she's up to now that she's doing what she loves to do, teaching. Let's get started. Hey, thank you so much for taking some time to visit with me today. Uh, I really have been excited to get to catch up with you and hear about how things are going uh, as a high school social studies teacher. And uh, I really appreciate the time that you're giving me to, uh, to, to hear your story. Yeah, thank you for thinking of me. No, absolutely. You know, and I got to thinking as I was uh, preparing for today, uh, the last time I saw you in person, we had just um, all said goodbye, uh, heading off as uh, grad students, uh, and I was the professor, and you were going to spring break, and we thought, you know, we'll take a week off, and then we'll see see each other in a week. And uh, while we were on spring break, everything closed down and the schools were closed and we haven't seen each other since. <laughs> I know. It's been two years, yeah. almost a day. Yep. Which is... That's true. That was almost two years exactly when all that happened. So, um, so yeah, it's great to finally get a chance to, uh, to catch up. And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And so, you know, first of all, just give me uh, an update on what you've been up to since you graduated. You know, uh, where are you teaching? What do you teach? Um, what grade? Uh, that kind of thing. How long have you been at your school where you are right now? Yeah, so I graduated undergrad in 2019, grad school in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach high school social studies at Seagoville High School in Dallas, Texas. Awesome. And I'm teaching quite a few classes. I teach AP Macroeconomics, AP Government and Politics, AP United States History, and regular uh, government. And I've been here for two years. It's my second year. And I predominantly teach juniors. And then that AP US History class is... Oh, sorry. I predominantly teach seniors. AP US History is juniors. Okay. Very good. So, and is, uh, other than the AP exams, is the U.S. history the only one that's tested by the state? Yeah, the yeah. U.S. history has two exams. It has the AP exam and the STAR exam. Oh, that's and right. this year, they fall back-to-back days. Oh, my word. Yeah. So, so one's a Thursday, one's a Friday. So, I imagine at the end of that Friday, you go home and you are pretty wiped out. <laughs> Yes, we will be learning through film that next week. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. That's funny. So, um, uh, yeah, that's a lot of preps, too. When you think about all those different all those different uh, classes that you're teaching. So, you know, especially for a second-year teacher, you're still kind of in the thick of it in terms of preparing lots of different lessons, lots of different assignments, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it is a lot of preps. Um, I'm the only one who teaches all of my courses as well. Mm. Um, The only slight respite I have is that AP macroeconomics is in the spring, AP government's in the fall, so I'm doing three at a time. Um, And then regular government repeats itself. 
And ah. so I have a spring section and then I get all new students. Sorry, I have a fall section and I have all new students in the spring. So I'm reusing and revamping a lot of that stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so it's a lot. Next year I won't be doing AP US history. I'll okay. be taking back from that and adding another section of government. I asked for that because it's a little too much at the moment. Mm -hmm. Very and good. So I needed, I needed a little break. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get it. And it's a lot of prep. And the second, the, the, the government class you're picking up will be another on-level government. Yeah. Just yeah. another on-level government. Okay. That's awesome. You know, and yes. I think it takes some time to work those things out. Like at first, you know, that they just kind of put you where they need you. And then over time, I think you have a little bit more freedom to, you know, make some requests and, and maybe have less prep. So that's, that's good. And yeah. I'm, I was kind of just given my assignments and like, you're doing this. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's what I'm doing. And now it's like, Hey, I got some experience now. I don't think <laughs> I will be doing this much anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's awesome. So, um, uh, one thing that I'm that I'm interested to to hear from you uh, regarding this 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 teaching career that you're in is you know what led you into this career was this something like that you've envisioned yourself doing from early on did you come to college wanting to be a teacher or is this something that you discovered a little bit later you know what what led you to uh, the teaching profession I've always wanted to be a teacher um, <laughs> since I was really really little in kindergarten all the way through high school. And now I, here I am today. Yep. Um, when I got my job and I told all of my friends, my best friend from kindergarten sent me a picture of one of those all about me books and where you write all about your <laughs> friends. And it had a section on me and it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a teacher. Uh -huh. um, and so it's something I've always wanted to be. I've always loved my teachers. I've had great teachers, people who've inspired me and showed me a love of history and social studies. Mm -hmm. So going into college, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And when I was a senior in high school and I applied to TCU and got in, they had an accepted students weekend mm -hmm. that I came up for. And they had something where you could meet professors of mm -hmm. the college you've been accepted to. Ah. And so I did that. And the professor I met with was you. I, and I remember um, that very well. <laughs> yeah, me and a couple other girls and we met with you and talked with you about some 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 stuff and got me really excited and all through college I loved it yeah. and here I am today. That's awesome. Well, I'm, you know, glad to know looking back that I uh I did a good job on that. I think it's called Experience <laughs> TCU. Yeah. Uh, did a did a good enough job that it didn't scare you away and you came here and you stuck with it and and now you're out there in the classroom doing a great job. So that's awesome. Um you know, and Thinking back on the job you have right now, uh, you know, it, it, it was a couple of years ago, but kind of walk me through the timeline of how all of that played out. Like, you know, how did you find out about the job? You know, uh, when did you interview? When did you finally know that you were going to be teaching at this school and these different classes and, and that kind of thing? So I started applying for jobs in March of 2020, right after spring break, which means it was right when COVID hit, ah. was when I started applying for jobs because that's typically when March post spring break is typically when jobs in education come out. Um, and I applied for jobs all over DFW, all over the Metroplex. 
Hmm. I didn't really care where I went. I just wanted to go somewhere. And I applied here at Seagoville and I got a call a couple days later from my current assistant principal and he asked if he could interview me the next morning. Hmm. And I said yes. And it was in the middle of finals week for grad school. Um, and I was like, yes, of course you can wow. interview me. And thankfully, being a grad student, most of our finals are papers. Mm-hmm. I was in the, middle, in the middle of writing those papers. And so 9 a.m. the next morning rolls around. I interview with him via Zoom. Right. Um, it was about an hour-long interview. interview and then... That afternoon, he calls me and says, hey, we want to offer you the job. And I was like, are you sure? You want to offer me the job? (laughs) He was like, "Uh, yeah, we want to offer you the job. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, do you want it? I was like, yes, I do. Thank you. Um, So I probably got hired in late April, early May. Okay. And over the summer, just got to hang out, enjoy my summer, and started up in August. That's great. And because of the pandemic, were you given access at all to the school? Were you ever able to go in and no? I didn't. I drove up from Fort Worth to Seagoville, which is like an hour and a half mm-hmm. drive. I did the drive once just to look at the school. The school is under construction. They were mm. having some remodeling done. Gotcha. So I didn't even get to see the school. Um, drove around a little bit, saw the area. And my first day I really saw the school was my first day of work. We hmm. thankfully got to come on campus. Everyone was masked up, socially distant. Yeah. And I got to be in my classroom for the first time. Wow. Which I was very excited about. And when I got walked in, the walls were painted purple, which was even happier. <laughs> it's a sign. <laughs> it is a sign. And uh, that was the first time I got to come on campus. I never got to come on before. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And... uh I'm trying to remember uh, that kind of at that point in the year, Dallas ISD had all students virtual at that point, right? Yep. So you started your teaching career as a first-year teacher with virtual students learning remotely. Yeah, I started my my teaching career alone in my classroom uh, because we had to be on campus. Mm. Uh, No one else in here, just me talking to a computer. Mm. And then after about a month, I think late September – our mm-hmm. students were allowed to come back, but it was only on Mondays and Tuesdays, A through L could come on campus, and then ah. Thursday, Fridays, M through Z students could come on campus. And so I never had more than five students in my classroom at mm. once, the majority of whom uh, of my kids were on Zoom. Okay. Were students given the option if they wanted to be fully remote, they could still do it that way? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And most did take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of what I had heard from uh, a lot of the teachers here in Fort Worth that I know that was the same kind of thing. Like even the ones who were choosing to come back to campus didn't always come in every day, you know, that they, whether it was they just didn't want to come to school that day and knew they could learn remotely or, you know, they thought they might be sick or, or, or a whole host of reasons. It could be a lot of reasons. So... Yeah, yeah, so you definitely, you know, I think you'll look back one day and be able to say that, you know, I had probably one of the most unique beginnings to my teaching career of, of anyone that, that you probably know. So, that's... Yeah, and I was thankful at the time, and I still am for the way my teaching career began, not mm-hmm. that we were in a pandemic, but that I was given so much time during the day to actually work on 
planning and grading and doing things I needed to get done for four preps. Um, that I got to get a lot of it done at school after I would finish my Zoom for my first class. I wouldn't hold them on Zoom longer than 30, 45 minutes Mm -hmm. as opposed to our hour and a half block because I can't hold someone's attention for that long on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they didn't want to do that. So after those 30, 45 minutes, I would sit back at my computer and plan for Mm -hmm. my next classes the next day, the next week, whatever it so be. Yeah. Grade my papers. Um, and so I got a lot of stuff done during the day. Yeah. I didn't have to bring anything home, which for a first year teacher, I'm sure you can remember, mm-hmm. you're always bringing stuff home. Oh, my uh, word. You're always bringing papers home to grade and you're working all day Sunday to plan. Um, so I got to get a lot of that stuff that last year in where I did everything during the day and now I can revamp my lessons mm-hmm. and make them in-person friendly. Yeah. That's great. And so this year was this, uh, the beginning of this school year was the first time you had all of your students back in class. Yeah. This was the first time I had a full classroom. Wow. And it was, it was very, very cool. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, you could almost say you've had two first years of teaching. Like you had the remote year that, that was just unlike anything anyone's ever done. And then you've got the, this year with everybody back in class and things, even though it's probably a lot, you know, still different, it seems probably more like school how we remember it. So yeah, I I call this year one point five. Yeah, one point. Last year was year one, but this year's year one point five. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And um, uh, so you know, now that you've you know, kind of going back to this timeline, you've interviewed, you got the job, um, and you know you're eventually able to go in and start getting things ready. Uh, you know, kind of what were, what were some of your feelings that you were having over the summer as you thought about starting this career? You know, were you excited? Were you, were you nervous? Was, you know, kind of what were some of the feelings of anticipation or, you know, whatever that you were, that you experienced leading up to that, that job, this, that first day of school. I was really nervous leading up to that first day of school both last year and this year. And I think this year I was even more nervous. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, because it was my first day in charge of the classroom, there wasn't another teacher there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the substitute. I was, it was my classroom with all yeah. of my stuff. Uh, this year I was even more nervous because I was gonna have kids in my room. And mm-hmm. last year I knew I'm not really gonna have kids. I'm gonna have them on Zoom for the most part. You know, if they're being disruptive, I can mute them or kick them out of the Zoom. It's pretty easy when they're in person and they're being disruptive. You can't really mute them. There's no mute button yeah. for humans. Um, and so I was really nervous, but I was excited. Mm-hmm. I was nervous about all of the content mm-hmm. that I was teaching, um, specifically the economics aspect. Economics historically is not my strong suit, right. but <laughs> we've learned it enough yep. to teach Yep. And um, I was really excited to meet students virtually and get yeah. to know them. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that um, when you first start, you know, like at the beginning of the year is kind of that honeymoon period where, uh, 
the the students are kind of like sizing you up, like who is this person? Are they going to yell at me? Are they more laid back? What's their approach to teaching? You know, and you're trying to you're kind of figuring your students out. And you know, I, I remember spending a lot of time doing thing like things like organizing binders and uh, kind of going over procedures. You know, like this is how you put a heading on your paper. This is where we turn assignments in. This is when things are due. You know, so did you have uh, some sort of honeymoon period like that? And then, um, you know, what was it like when you finally, when that honeymoon period was over and you trans kind of transitioned into the real work? Like I've got content that I've got to cover uh, and that I've got to start making sure that they know. Yeah, the honeymoon period definitely is real. That first couple of weeks of school, Mm -hmm. specifically that first week of school, I don't teach any content. We go over procedures. We um, go over expectations, both my expectations of them and their expectations of me. Mm -hmm. Create a respect agreement where we talk about how I'm going to treat them. They're going to treat me. They're going to treat each other. And we're all going to treat this school in this classroom. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things I do in my classes is we learn how to take notes because Mm. a lot of the times kids have not been learned how to take notes before. And they're seniors in high school, juniors, and most of them or a good bunch of them want to go to college, Mm -hmm. especially AP kids. And so I think it's important that they understand, oh, I'm looking at a slide with all of these words on it. What's important? Mm -hmm. How can I figure out what's important? How should I be setting up my paper? How should I be doing this and that? So we take that first week to go over and learn all of these things. Mm -hmm. And after that, we slowly get into content still working on those relationships with each other, with the classroom, with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say the honeymoon period's over around the first test. (laughs) Around the first test is when that honeymoon period is over. Yeah. Um, I don't get to make the test. I'm given a district common assessment for my regular government. And then for my AP classes, Mm -hmm. I model them based off of the AP tests. I pull old AP questions. Mm. So I'm not making these tests. I am using tests given to me or reworking old tests that aren't necessarily in the type of way I would word things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the district ones can be a little confusing. And so around that first test, when they get those grades back, I know they're not going to be great. And that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of when the honeymoon period ends. Right. Yeah. When but they, yeah. we plan for that. And so I... Uh, I allow my kids to do test corrections to get points back. Oh yeah, right. If not, it's it's not going to be great. Yep, you know, and I think you're right. Like that's a huge eye opener uh, when the students realize all that stuff we've done during class was important. <laughs> that the end goal is not just to uh, feel happy about being here together, but we're actually right. learning stuff too. And that's yeah, that's always a a little bit of a rude awakening. And I really I like what you say about learning how to take notes because, you know, that is such an important skill for high school kids, even those who decide to go on to college. Like, you know, I, I know that when I spend a long amount of time lecturing to my classes and they finally at some point have to study for the test, they're not going to remember a lot of what I said. So really right. the only thing they have to go off of is the notes they took about what we did while we were there together. And so that's a really important uh, skill that doesn't really come naturally to everybody. You know, not everyone knows how to translate what we're talking about into a set of notes that they can study from and learn from. 
So I think that's a really important uh, skill to help them develop early uh, in the year so they can continue to, to develop and cultivate that skill uh, as the year goes on. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, you know, have you ever had those moments uh, in the, you know, last year or this year where you just kind of stop and ask yourself, like, you know, what have I gotten myself into like, you know, like something happens where you just feel like disillusioned or you question like, you know, what was I thinking? You know, and when you do have those moments, uh, what's your process for working through those feelings? Um, I have those moments once a week. <laughs> once a week. And um, you in those moments, I mean, there's times I've had I have a lot of a lot of fun interests. Fun is not the word I would use, but I have a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. I've had kids throw notebooks at me. Oh, I've had wow. a kid throw a desk. I have, have lots of lots of stories. Um, yeah. And in those moments, I'm like, why am I doing this? What's mm-hmm. the point of this? Um, but I found that when I'm having these feelings, I'm just really honest with my students. I'm like, hey, guys, this is how I'm feeling right now. I feel inadequate or I feel like I'm not doing enough for you guys. I feel like you guys aren't, you don't care anymore. And there's no point of me continuing on. And I'm just going to sit at my desk and I'm going to plan for the next class instead of doing this. And a lot of times the kids will reassure you, be like, no, no, you're actually, you're doing good. Like you're doing really well. Like don't feel like that. Or um, Mm -hmm. at the end of the semester, I write all of my students a note, a handwritten note, Mm -hmm. 150 some kids a semester. I write them all a note. And this semester I had kids write me back. Oh, that's great. Didn't happen last year because they were all, um, last year I sent them all emails because uh, of Zoom school. But this year yeah. I hand wrote notes and I had kids write me back. And so this semester, um, when I'm having those days, I read those notes back. Yeah. Uh, kids telling me my classroom is their safe space. And kids telling me that, you know, they didn't realize it was, my second year until I told them. And, hmm. and so those are the things that make it worth it. And just like yep. remember why I'm doing this, yep. which is hard to remember sometimes, but. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but it sounds like you're authentic with your students. And in return, you know, a lot of them are authentic back to you, which I think is, is really good. I mean, cause in addition to all the things they're supposed to be learning, you know, I think it's important to also learn to be real and authentic and who they, who they really are and to see the teacher, you know, that we're not perfect. We don't know everything. And, uh, you know, I've learned that as a teacher, as a professor, even as a parent, you know, it's important, I think, for people to know how their actions are impacting other people. And if you don't say anything, you know, if you're just always kind of positive and uh, let things, let everything slide, it's like, you know, maybe they don't really ever know the way their actions are impacting other people. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I think that's good to know. Uh, so, yeah. And I imagine, you know, uh, at a high school, you have a team of people that you work with and you probably also help each other process. Mm-hmm. You know, you find out that uh, a lot of people are experiencing the same things. It's not just you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's, that was definitely good for me too, having a a team to work with. And I would say something and be like, Hey, you know what, even I've been teaching 25 years and I still feel that sometimes. So, yeah. And I've surrounded myself with some really good people here. And there's a couple of people who started last year was their first year with me. And Mm. 
some friends who have been teaching for five years and 10 years. And I've had some friends that here who've been teaching longer than I've been living. And so finding people who I feel like I can trust and just like be very open with them. Like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Can you help me through it? And Mm -hmm. they've all been very supportive um, and really great administration. And they've all been very, very supportive as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great to have a good, good support system, both in, you know, experienced teachers who can give you tips and strategies, but also those other um, early career teachers where you're, you know, you're all kind of in the same boat together. Right. And I have friends from TCU who graduated with me in the College of Ed who are at different schools and also been teaching as long as I have been. Ah. And I talk to them a lot about it as well. But I think there's something so each school is so different and each school's culture is so different. Mm -hmm. So important to find people at your school who you can be like, hey, this kid, Johnny, is, you know, doing this stuff and it's making me feel this way. Like, have you had Johnny? How do you feel about right. all? You can be like, yeah, do this and this with Johnny and you'll be great. Yeah, exactly. Or they may be able to say, you know, there's there here's something about this student that you may not have known that explains. Right. Yeah. Where, right. you know, a group of friends from college isn't going to know that kind of that kind of thing about the students that you're trying to to serve. Yeah, that's right. really that's that's important. So I know that as a high school teacher, and now you've been doing this two years, you've already had a lot of students, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of, as you said already, you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have some students that are engaged, that love learning, that love school. Um, you're going to have some students that, you know, don't seem to enjoy school or don't seem very motivated. You know, you see kind of the, the entire spectrum of students uh, in terms of their engagement, their motivation, their willingness to do what you're wanting them to do. Um, and so I think in, in, in that regard, teaching is one of those things where it's hard to measure your success because you don't always know if you're getting through to some of the students. So as a teacher, you know, how do you measure your success? Um, I don't measure it based off test scores. That's <laughs> test scores. Um, yep. I measure success based off of my kids just you know, reading the room, are they, do they look like they're getting it? And you're always, like you said, you're always going to have kids who just aren't engaged, don't care. And at this point, I'm kind of focusing less on those kids and more on the kids who are really trying to get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I measure my success based off of like, are they being receptive? Mm -hmm. Maybe they, they really liked this aspect of a lesson. Um, And I'll have kids come up to me and be like, Hey, I really enjoyed that. Like, Today, during my second period, we were outside because it's a beautiful day uh, in my AP macroeconomics class using chalk on the ground. Oh, wow. Using gra- doing graphing practice. Mm-hmm. And the kids were laughing and smiling and joking around with each other and having fun. And I had uh, kids who I had last semester coming up or friends of other kids coming up and wanting to hang out and play with the chalk. And I was like, y'all can play with the chalk as long as you're making graphs. Um <laughs> And so that's how I measure my success based off of, are my kids happy? Are they learning? Are they getting it? Yeah. Uh, and there's days where you just aren't successful. There's lessons where you aren't successful and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just need to remind myself some sometimes of that. Yeah. But yeah, definitely just like looking at my kids, they've become very honest with me the way mm-hmm. I am with them. 
And I've had kids raise their hand and be like, hey, this isn't working. Can we do something else? Like yeah. this, I'm not getting it this way. These people aren't getting it. Can we shift? And we shift. Yep. No, that's really important. You know, I've always appreciated those moments when a student will just raise their hand in class and say, uh, nothing you said makes sense. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, that's actually good feedback. You know, I, I like to think that I'm clear all the time, but that was act, that's actually helpful because I yeah. can go back and try to redo that, reword it, frame it a different way. Uh, but if everyone sits and nods at, at me, you know, I don't know if you're always receiving what I'm trying to send. Uh, so yeah, that's really good. And I like, you know, that the idea of doing things that get kids outside where you're, you know, doing things in different formats and different modalities, because, you know, that may be the thing that will engage some of those students that may not want to sit in the desk and listen all the time that may kind of awaken different parts of them that that engages them in in ways that otherwise they might just miss it. So I think that's really cool. It was really fun. I, there was a kid who's normally one of the, I don't really care about any of this. Why do we need to learn this right. kind of kids? And he was having fun and he was calling me over to check his work constantly because he was excited about it. Um, and so that was really, really cool to watch. And then I also give kids feedback forms mm-hmm. periodically. I'm like, hey, how am I doing? Right. What can I do better? And be honest with me. And they're very honest sometimes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> to a fault, but they're yeah. honest. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's a form of success in and of itself is that you are open to being um, reflective and that you do think about your own teaching and how to do it better. And I think, you know, the longer I teach, I think that's an important piece that that's a sign of success, too, that you're not close minded and uh, just wanting to do things one way all the time, that you're open to, to new ways of doing things. That's that's great. And so, um, you know, speaking of these students, you know, how do you think uh, the students that you have describe um, Ms. Waldman? I've had a student describing the same sentence as loving and cold hearted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I took it as a compliment because oh. it was the day after late work was due. I, I don't take points off for late work. I give kids until um, two days before the end of the grading period to get their work in. Mm-hmm. I teach a community where my kids have to have jobs um, yeah. and they don't have the luxury of staying after school for tutoring or um, having time to spend on homework. So yeah. I don't give homework and I make sure everything can be done during class, but sometimes you miss a day, whatever it so be. So I don't take points off for late work and mm-hmm. it was the day after I had late work due and um, she didn't turn something in. So the zero was placed. Yeah. And she said, you know what, Miss Waldman? You are very loving, but right now you are cold hearted. And I was like, <laughs> I am. I would agree. Yep. So I would say they, they see me as loving and cold hearted. Um, yeah. But in that sense, I mean strict. I have expectations. Um, my expectations are very clear for them. Mm-hmm. Not astronomical. They are just your basics. Get your work done. Be here on time. Pay attention. Yeah. Those are main three expectations. And if you don't meet your expectations, there's going to be results and consequences. And a lot of the times, that's because you're not turning your work in, and the consequences mm-hmm. are great. Yeah. So. Right, and and I think especially high school kids, but even even younger, I think they don't always think of it that way, but. You know, I think it's important for them to have adults in their lives who mean what they say. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, that when I say this is this is going to be the result or this is the consequence, like I actually meant that. It wasn't an empty threat. It wasn't uh, just a way to get to you to comply. It wasn't manipulation. It's actually right. the way things are. And I think that's 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 okay for them to to know that. Yeah, and I'm very, very honest with them from the first day of school. I tell them on the on the first day of school, this is the date that it's due. I have it written on my board behind me, actually. Yeah. Um, everything is due on this day at 445. After 445, I lock my door and I go home uh, and I won't take anything after that. And if you don't turn it in, that's now on you. After I have given you reminders, I've emailed home about it. I've emailed you about it. We've discussed it multiple times. And so... I set those expectations on the first day and I follow through with them. I One of my other expectations is to be on time. I think mm-hmm. the seniors in high school being punctual is important, especially when a mm-hmm. lot of my kids want to go to college, which is totally fine. A lot of them will be entering the workforce, but when you go to work, you need to be on time. No, absolutely. So going into Miss Waldman's class at 930 when you were supposed to be here at 9, there's going to be an issue with that. Right. Especially if they're carrying Starbucks or McDonald's. Yep, especially if they're carrying Starbucks (laughs) or McDonald's, and they didn't bring me any. Right, they didn't bring you any, so what's up with that? And you had time to get Starbucks and McDonald's, but you didn't have time to get to school on time. Right. Yeah, I've I've said that before to students, you know, like they walk in late with food and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. You know, you had oh, time to get food, but not be on time to, to class. Yeah, I yeah. remember sitting outside your room being your TA and we would see kids roll in and we would just look at each other and be like, okay. I know. I know. Yeah. It's the evergreen problem that we as educators will deal with, you know, people who, uh, are still their brains are still developing and growing and you know they don't always think they mean what we say we what we say but you know I think it's it's a gift to them to learn whether through bad experiences or just from watching others that you know when people say something they mean it and and you should honor that um so you know now that you've been in the in the classroom a couple of years uh what is a piece of advice that you would give to um, someone who's about to graduate and start their first teaching job? Um, I would say two things. is One, set boundaries for yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't put that work email on your phone. It's the best decision I've ever made is <laughs> not putting my work email on my phone. Uh, because when I'm not at work, I'm not checking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is to just find the people at work who will support you. I found someone else at this school in my department. Mm-hmm. Who was going to help me when I had the questions about how to work the grade book and who wasn't going to, you know, who was just going to be there for me and make sure I was understanding mm-hmm. things. Find the people who are going to help you and be okay with helping you and want to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the big thing is just finding those people at work. And then it'd be nice if they're in your department, if they teach the same subjects as you, but one of my best friends here is one of the ag teachers. Hmm. She's been teaching for 10 years and she's yep. the one I go my questions. That's awesome. Yep. Cause it's good to have the, the support, you know, the emotional support, uh, but also just the institutional support, you know, where do you yeah. find things? Where do things go? How do I work this program? Yeah. That's really, that's really good. There's the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in a portable classroom. So one of the temporary 
that became permanent type of classroom mm. that are not in the building. And so the first couple of weeks, I didn't know where the bathroom was. Oh, my word. I thought it was in the building. And turns out the portable right next door to mine has a bathroom in it. And so right. hearing those things out, it's nice to have someone to text and being like, hey, yeah. am I allowed to go off campus for lunch? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And that's the kind of thing you want to know for sure. Where's I, all the places around here? <laughs> yeah, yep. But I really like that what you said about boundaries because I think that's important too. I've 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 known so many early career teachers that just go into it, you know, just with this attitude that I'm going to just pour everything I possibly have into this job. Um and I just don't think a person can sustain that for, for very long. No. And I think I'm lucky because I have friends who started a year before me. Mm-hmm. And I saw them go through that because I decided to get my master's. Mm. And people who I graduated undergrad with went out and to the teaching. They started teaching. Uh, and I watched some people go through stuff like that. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I have a separation between work and home. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be doing this the way they're doing it. I don't want to be staying up until who knows when at night creating lessons and grading papers. And so yeah. I'm not going to do that. And yeah. I, I don't. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, you just have to be, learn to be more efficient. I remember for me, that was my uh, real turning point as a teacher when I learned how to be efficient enough that I could just leave work and not necessarily feel like I had all this stuff waiting for me at home, um, in my book bag, that kind of thing. You know, I could actually go to dinner and a movie with friends, uh, and not feel guilty, feel like I was somehow neglecting my work. It's like, you know, it's a Friday and I've, I've been efficient. I've gotten caught up and I can go enjoy myself and, and enjoy those boundaries that I created for myself. Right. And sometimes being efficient is not reinventing the wheel and finding something that someone else has done and just using their lesson plans and changing it to meet your needs, mm-hmm. um, which is something I do often because it's my second year. There are people who've been doing this a lot longer than me. So if someone's yep. going to give me something, I'm going to use it, but I'm going to change it to fit my needs and my kids' needs. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It, I'm, I'm not reinventing the wheel most of the time just making things go, getting it through. And Mm -hmm. then if I realize, you know, I really didn't like the way this lesson went, I'll make a note of it. And then next year I'll change it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that being reflective. I think that's really important. Yep. For sure. Well, you know, this is all really uh, good stuff, Lauren. It has been so much fun uh, talking with you, catching up, uh, and just hearing how you're doing. You know, I remember meeting with you, uh, on the first floor of the education building uh, (laughs) as a high school kid, a high school kid from Florida uh, wanting to come to TCU uh, and then seeing you in my intro class, uh, having you as my, my TA one year as a grad student and now seeing that you're, you're just doing such a great job as a teacher. I think it's really, uh, uh, really great. And so I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to visit with me. Of course, of course. Thank you for having me. No, you're, it's, it's always great to talk to you and uh, we'll hopefully talk again soon. Yes. 